listening to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. Episode 90. I don't know what to believe about this. Why? I I can't believe it. You can't believe it. I I have some very strong beliefs about you. you. Yes, I do. About you, about this podcast, and about our relationship. I, too, have some very strong beliefs about me. (laughs) (laughs) About myself. (laughs) About myself and this podcast. Yes. Well. I'm glad. And I'm sure that that influences how uh, we interact, your mm-hmm. beliefs, and how that yeah. focuses on you or yeah. us or this. It probably also relates to why we picked each other in the first place. So I've been told. <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> yes, I'll never forget that fateful phone call when you're like, do you want to do a podcast? Do do and I was this? like, I believe I do. Do you want to record what we talk about when we grab coffee together? Let's do that. Absolutely. <laughs> and here we are, 90 intro, episodes later. 90 episodes later. This this intro is a little muddy. I wonder the listeners like, what are you talking about? But you get it, everybody, right? Core beliefs. <laughs> we're talking yes. today about core beliefs in relationships. And we're going to go through some of what those are. Yes. And um, more importantly, how they influence relationships. Yes. And this will be the perfect blend of both Ryan and I's foundational theory I think that we use in our couples therapy and we were talking before we recorded I have a firm belief why we choose who we choose relates to the beliefs that we have who we are the schemas that we have of the world etc and then Ryan's approach and he's a phenomenal EFT emotionally focused therapy clinician is now that we're here and we're in the relationship, <laughs> I'm not as much concerned about how you met. I'm concerned about the two couple, you know, pe- people in front of me. How can we help you relate based on those beliefs and how they're being expressed is what I understood. Let yeah, me looking, know if I, yeah. 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 Looking at the interaction pattern yes. and a big part of that, not the entire thing, but a big part of it is what are these thoughts that we have about relationship yep. and how mm-hmm. do we make meaning of them? Um, in EFT, yes. I mean, we link it to emotions and understand the logic of the emotion, but it's, you know, a big part of that piece to the puzzle are these core beliefs, these thoughts that we have about relationships. Mm-hmm. Hugely. They so we'll, so for today's episode, we'll go to both of those, but Ty, why don't you kick us off with this specialty of yours of looking at core beliefs and how that does influence single people to meet and then choose their partners moving forward? Excellent question. I would be happy to answer that. (laughs) (laughs) So the core beliefs that you have about yourself, about other people in general, about the world, and then specifically about relationships, all of those things go, I would say, hand in hand or like, like a paper chain of people. Like they're all holding hands because they all relate in some way. And how you view yourself is going to directly impact how you view a partner and what type of partner you pick. This, as classic psychoanalysis will say, will largely relate to your childhood, the beliefs that were passed down from their, from your grandparents to your parents, and then from your parents to you. 
about is the world a safe place? Is the world a scary place? Can mm -hmm. people be trusted or can no one be trusted? Mm -hmm. What constitutes trust? What type of relationships do you want to have? What beliefs do you have about men, about yourself, about capabilities of other people? Are you going to be the one that has to do it all? If a good wife does this, if a good husband does this, there are so many different schemas that we operate on that really do start from that core belief. And if your sense of self-worth, which we have other episodes on this that really dive deeply into it, if your sense of self-worth or self-esteem is fragile, if it's been shattered or it's not as strong as you would like it to be, picking a partner based off of that mindset and those beliefs may not end up being the healthiest thing long-term for you because the person that you pick may reinforce those negative beliefs about self. Conversely, if you're in a positive mindset and you have stronger core beliefs about yourself, and these differ, but they're like the cousins of core values, which we can talk about separately and probably do another episode. Uh -huh. We've talked about that before, like values in a relationship. Uh -huh. The beliefs you have also influences the core values you have. Uh -huh. So if I believe uh -huh. that I'm unlovable and then I won't value my family or I feel as though they don't value me, I've picked a partner where I can't be around my family. They pitted each other. Uh, they pitted us against each other. Then I would pick somebody. It's like, well, at least I have them. Uh -huh. So I don't believe I'm worthy. I don't believe I'm able to go back to be with my family. This person doesn't value family either. And you can see how that could continue. Well, and I want to jump in and let me, I, I love the example of I'm unlovable. Yeah. And so I want to dive into that a little yeah. bit, just like what that brings up for me as a good example. Absolutely. So having, let's say I'm a partner and I have this core belief, I'm unlovable. Then like you're saying, I pick a partner that will basically not, something that I consciously think about, but will end Correct. up reinforce it. And I'm not even aware yes. it's happening. Correct. But here's how that can play out. If I already think I'm unlovable, then I'll probably pick a partner where I'm more likely to tolerate that partner not giving me, you know, appropriate attention mm -hmm. or compromise mm -hmm. with me, not communicating with me, or maybe um, I'm likely to overlook um, uh, my needs instead of their needs because yeah. When a partner doesn't communicate with me, doesn't attune to my needs, it all confirms this core belief I have already that I'm unlovable and how that plays into a relationship. Correct. How could they love me? Yes. And then taken to an extreme then is, but at the end of the day, we all want to feel love in our relationship. Right. So now I'm struggling with this core belief that I'm unlovable, but I'm still longing to feel loved. And so then it goes, well, at some, or uh, in this example, I, at some point somehow feel loved. And yeah. in this example, it could be something like things get so extreme in a huge fight. I only feel loved, not in the day to days of my needs being met or good, clean communication. Mm -hmm. I only feel loved after a huge fight and a major catastrophe where I put an ultimatum down. I'm going to leave unless you X. And then my partner does this extreme something like, okay, fine. I'll cancel all of my plans with all yes, of my friends. I'll only be with you. And then I can finally feel love for the first time mm -hmm. in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And then that has trained me now that I can mm -hmm. only know that I'm loved from these really um, difficult and intense patterns. Yes. And that all stems back because at the core I don't believe I'm lovable in this relationship. So I need this extreme gesture instead of holding um, the relationship accountable to 
more common, steady gestures, like I said, communication needs being met. So I just want to jump in. I think it's a good one. Maybe yes. hook into the episode of Absolutely. how a core belief like I'm unlovable can then attract a partner and how set up norms in a relationship yep. that can, in this case, be problematic. Absolutely. And Sorry if that's not where you're going. With no, this, that's exactly that. You nailed it. The, thank you for that summarization. That's exactly one of the strongest core beliefs that I see in the couples that I work with. One or both parties has that core belief or some some similar core belief. Yeah. People can't be trusted. I'm unlovable. All relationships fail. Mm-hmm. Every marriage leads to divorce, mm-hmm. self beliefs or other beliefs. Mm-hmm. And we subconsciously, to your point, it's not a conscious thing, even if we're in advanced clinical training and we know these things, we still have a lot of subconscious beliefs that we operate on. You have to actively work to bring them to the forefront, restructure them, and then tuck them back away. That's a very brief summarization of what it's like to do (laughs) the work, part of the work. You have this belief, so you operate and you choose, it's like a confirmation bias and a self-fulfilling prophecy then I'll pick people who confirm it to be true because ultimately I also want to be right. Mm -hmm. I want it not righteous, but I want to feel congruent. And if I believe this and my world is this, homeostasis has been achieved. Mm -hmm. So I pick a partner who supports the belief. So all the more reason why I am a huge proponent of changing yourself changes the relationship that you're Mm -hmm. in, regardless of partner participation and can often highlight how similar or how different you are from your partner. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that is my uh, foundation that we can start from. <laughs> and I think that's a really cool um, place to um, be viewing dating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just want to um, uh, highlight again, this idea that most of the time we're not sitting like on our first date or our third date going, what is my core belief about myself or relationships mm-hmm. or the world? be kind of cool if you started that work and started going, hmm, I'm wondering like how much does my self-love play into this or how much does my ability mm. to trust a human or society at large play into this? Yep. But let's be honest, like most of the time you're just there to like get to know someone and maybe hopefully have a good time if it's like, you know, someone you're kind yeah, of into. It's going well, yeah. So that's okay. Yes. It's just wanting to add into this like, like everything with insight can come a deeper understanding what can lead you to different choices or at least understand what's happening and set you and maybe your future partner up for success moving forward. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because on a date, we're not, even if you listen to this episode and I have like a list of schemas that I'll share, even if you're like, I'm taking copious notes and, and, <laughs> and listening for them. Even if you're on a date, You don't have to directly ask about this. You can filter by tuning in a little bit more. How do they describe their boss, their coworkers, their colleagues, their siblings, their parents? How do they describe and interact verbally with other people in their life? I I like to call it like you're bringing somebody in the room or you're bringing other players on the stage to the foreground when you're discussing them in a conversation on a date. So I'm not meeting your parents, but indirectly, I'm meeting how you are when you interact with them. How do they talk to the server? Mm. How do they interact and negotiate with you if you want them to make a reservation and they didn't like, what are their schemas or beliefs? And do they have kind of an entitlement or a grandiosity schema, which is one of the ones we can talk about? Oh, I get in everywhere. I don't need to make a reservation. And you're like, it's literally the most popular restaurant. It's been booked for four months. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? And they just walk up and they're like, don't you know who I am? 
if that's what you're into, go for it. But if that's not the schema that you like, just by watching the person and postponing your judgment or postponing to your point, I want them to be this way. I, I, I'm extrapolating something from what you said is I want to see them this way, or I hope they are this way subconsciously. So I'm just going to turn a blind eye to their schema. And I'm searching for, does this, does this reaffirm what I believe about the world? Separating the self and looking bird's eye view and going, oh, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to raise, if you want kids, I don't know if I want to raise kids with somebody who looks at the world that way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to raise them in like a mafioso crime family. I don't like that what their lessons they're, that they would be teaching. So you really, on even on a first or second or third date, yes, most of the goal is do I, most of the goal on the first date is to stay locked down. Most of the goal on the first date well, is that's not, not right. <laughs> do I like them enough to go on a second date? That's it. That's really all you're discerning. You don't need to determine if you're going to marry them or not by the second date. In fact, I would say if you are trying to do that, that's indicative of some attachment stuff to tend to. Do I want to go on a second date? Okay. Clearly something on the first date, hopefully aside from looks, like their schema and their core beliefs, is something you're attracted to. And if you're at a certain phase of life and you're dating, or you're in a relationship, to your point well, where you'll talk about with EFT, if you're in a relationship and your partner shares or you uncover something about their beliefs about the world that you align with, you feel congruent with, you like it, you lean in. Oh, you want kids too? That's great oh, you want to uh, have this part of your career take off, et cetera? That's great. Me too. When you align with the beliefs, it feels good. When you don't align with the beliefs, it can feel icky and conflict can come up. Which has me thinking about, so are there any like best practices on beliefs? I know what you're saying right now is take some time in these early dates and say, hey, what might be this person I'm getting to know their beliefs are? Let's see if we align. But I'm also kind of curious, is there like best practices for us as we go into our dating Mm -hmm. to feel like, hey, we um, uh, these are some good core beliefs to maybe nurturing in ourselves to be able to bring to dating and then have them, you know, have that influence the dating process? Yes, I actually have a list. Oh, you do. I'm like, <laughs> listeners can't see this. I'm like, this is an interesting question. I don't know this at all. And I'm like, here, like in my mind, like thinking, and you're like, oh, I got this. Yes. Yeah. Totally yes. got this. Yes. <laughs> so I have the list of other schemas that we want to avoid that I can talk about separately. Mm-hmm. The list of beliefs, core beliefs that you want to operate on for the ideal optimal relationship is that you are worthy, period. Not I'm worthy when, I'm worthy if. It's I am worthy, period. period. I am lovable, period. Mm-hmm. I can trust, period. Mm-hmm. It is safe to be in a relationship, mm-hmm. period. That one can take some work, especially if we've had some trauma. Mm-hmm. And people are generally worth a chance or generally worth getting to know. Mm-hmm. And then the final belief that I often work with clients on is, and I trust myself enough and I trust the support team I have, my therapist, et cetera. That if something feels off or something goes awry, I can care for myself, (laughs) which is so much different than I need to be highly self-protective and guarded. It's that's my instinct. But to go against that, I'm going to give this a try. still keep myself safe and know that if all else failed or it didn't go the way that I want, other people are around to help me see these red flags potentially. Yeah. Uh, Mini tangent, but to dive into that last Mm -hmm. one, um, I think it is really important, the difference of being guarded 
Yes. Versus I can trust myself to take care of things. Being yes. guarded is like you're already in a assuming, elevated yeah. like fear state, if you Correct. will. So yeah, you're assuming that things are already bad. Yes. So the threat is present already. Yes. Which is a very um scary and and um uh, I was gonna use the word weak. I don't mean it in weak, like not good enough, but in a in a very like, you know, one level power down, you're already mm-hmm. in this like back position. Yes. Versus, disempowering. Dispowering. Yeah. Dispowering. Yeah. Versus when you are entrusting yourself that if shit goes down, I got this. Yes. That's, that's a very it. That's empowering yes. place. Yeah. I saw where you go. Yes. Yeah. Empowering. Yeah. It's so cool to go like, no, I trust me, my resources. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to have the defenses up right now. I know I can handle that. Mm-hmm. without looking at that people can get really confused between the two um mm-hmm. and you can hear such a stark difference especially um with that language of being um you know it being a depowering stance or an empowering stance yeah uh I, that's why i just want to jump in a little tangent but i loved it and it's a really important good example mm-hmm. of how you can have slight shifts in your beliefs even when you just notice them for the first time yes and make conscious choices going into dating going wait a second I'm going to, before this date with this person, I really am kind of excited for, take a few breaths and be like, all right, I'm going to let some of that guard down, put the defense down because I'm going to trust myself that if something comes up that I don't like, I'm going to trust that I'm going to see it Mm -hmm. and not be interested in it and say, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. Or if something goes wrong that I don't, you know, I'm not interested in, I can trust myself to handle it, but I'm not going to be in that place of guard in this moment, which will allow me to go into this date fully open and communicative and connecting to whatever degree I want it to be because I make that decision and I'm in charge. Yes. Being guarded is the one down disempowered Mm -hmm. position. I'm already assuming a threat. I'm already assuming this is going to fail or you're wrong. Again, these schemas, you're bad, you're wrong, you're untrustworthy, your trash, whatever it might be that we have as stereotypes that we do get as some core beliefs from our family systems and epigenetically, but the, the, or, and I should say the opposite of that. So instead of being guarded is to be in the more empowered stance, I can protect myself. I don't need to all the time. However, I believe I'm capable enough to protect myself if need be. Mm-hmm. I'm not assuming the need is already there. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Great, great delineation. I like that. Um, and back to the overall thing you're saying, yes. great examples like I was asking for of really cool core belief schemas mm-hmm. that um, you can look for and nurture in yourself mm-hmm. or with a professional to mm-hmm. bring those into the dating relationships. Love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And then the negative schemas that we often see just in contrast, and I have a, a, an organized list that I will reference so we can stay on topic. Uh, there's a few here, and this is from schematherapy.com. So if anybody is curious to learn more about what this would be like, if you resonate with this and you want to rewire these beliefs to have better dating and relationships, these are the ones that we look for often. The isolation schema that you'll be exposed, judged, or excluded. You don't have friends. You're fearing rejection. You're all alone in the world, basically, is this schema. And I th- we can literally do an episode on each, but I'm just giving the brief summary so people can be like, oh, I do think that maybe I need to work on it. The self-sacrifice or the martyr schema, you feel guilty and take responsibility for other people's feelings. You worry about disappointing other people, the people-pleasing schema, essentially. Oh. The subjugation schema, you feel pressure to do things you don't want to do and obligated to meet others' needs. You feel controlled by others and you have difficulty recognizing what you want or need. 
these people often really struggle with setting boundaries and they feel coerced, powerless, and resentful. The entitlement or grandiosity schema, you have difficulty taking no for an answer. You always get what you want. Those people usually partner together and they don't work out because it's like, I feel too controlled. They're, they're not assertive enough or I'm too controlling for them. That's often what's said. The abandonment or instability schema, other people are unreliable or unavailable. This relates to attachment styles. It's difficult for you to count on people. You feel rejected. You worry people will love you. You have difficulty spending time alone. So that is like the anxious attachment, avoid an attachment push-pull, that figure eight we've talked about. And some of the other ones on the list are feeling like a failure, feeling emotionally deprived, feeling like there's something wrong with you, like you're defective or you're unworthy of love and acceptance. Being a perfectionist is also a schema, highly critical of self, highly critical of others, mistrust and abuse. You don't know if people will ever be honest with you and you have a suspicion people will take advantage of you. And then the last uh, one is the dependence schema. So similar to dependent personality disorder, I just taught on that today. You struggle making your own decisions. You often give deference to the other person. These are the people who would not take the lead planning a date. Well, I don't, it's like this scene in SpongeBob. Well, I don't know. What do you want to do today? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do today? And I'm not mocking when I use that voice. That's literally how they talk. So yeah, you have difficulty Bob. handling <laughs> problems on your own. You might feel doubtful, confused, or deprived. So a lot of these core schemas or interpersonal schemas will guide the way you look at yourself and dating. And I'm going to pass the baton to you because when people, if you've already partnered with this and we see this come up and for, for very valid reasons, you want to be with your partner and you want to change these things. So it's not about wanting to break up, et cetera, when you're in therapy. So I view it as like, this is what got you there. And I'm a little more discerning when I'm like, they really shouldn't be together. And I mostly think that about people in my day-to-day life, or I hear friends when they're talking, I'm like, and they're like, what should I do? I'm like, break up. What? <laughs> I would leave them. I would, I would, I honestly wouldn't put that much effort in. You're so young. You have so much life ahead of you. This seems like it's going to be a lot of work. And this is, that's me in my personal life In my professional life. I have worked with couples where mixed, they've asked my opinion and I will share if nothing changes, I will share with you. If you are like this exact day that I see in front of me and nothing changes. No, I do not think this will work out. And that's my honest opinion. That is not me saying break up. That is them asking a professional. And that is me looking at it. You have way too many of the markers that the contempt, criticism, all these other red flags. Mm-hmm. I, no, I don't see this working out where one of you or both of you are happy. Mm-hmm. So I I'm, I take it so, that route. Doing so let's more get animal. to work. Yeah. Let's change yeah. it. So what is it like <laughs> for you, Ryan? The, the hopeful, the ray of sunshine. I was going to say, life. like, this is where we tag team for sure. Not just what? on the topic, but on um, moods and vibes <laughs> and energies. It's just like, yeah, so let's change it. Let's do it. Um, I, I love that about you. I do. I do. You've changed my <laughs> belief in a lot of ways, honestly. So Our I beliefs hear. changing. That's what, what is it like? That's How do we for. help? How do we help? Well, yeah. How do we help? Exactly. That's the big thing. And yeah, uh, these core beliefs and these, well, let me separate a little bit. So when you're talking about schemas, those wonderful examples we're talking about and very um, individually in tune. Yes. In And those are types of core beliefs. But in my relationship work, there's also going to be core beliefs about the relationship came out of the relationship. They started with individual schemas, those types of core beliefs and the interaction pattern that got established in the relationship through say 10, 20, 30 years of relationship. And now there's these other things going on. So that's just where it gets a little more complicated. 
And we're just trying to, in couples therapy, where I support with couples, try to map that out a little bit and figure out where these core beliefs are for each person and how they're influencing the relationship. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit of background, early on in therapy, what I help couples look at are their experiences and their moments. And I always break it down into we think, we feel, we do, thoughts, feelings, actions. And the core beliefs is where we examine those thought processes. We look at the thoughts that are going on in these negative interaction patterns, these places where couples are fighting all the time or they're stuck. Mm -hmm. We slow it way down and go, well, what are those thoughts there? And I let couples know, like, as we get not just into what are your conscious thoughts? Oh, he did that on purpose because he hates me. Okay. That's what you might be thinking. But... I try to break it down. We go a little bit deeper into, you can have three kinds of thoughts. They're not all core beliefs, but you can have, we can identify these thoughts in different ways. You have a thought about yourself. Mm-hmm. That's your view of yourself. You have a thought about your partner, the view of the other, the view of your partner. Or you have a thought about the relationship. Like, hey, what yeah. does this say about the relationship? Yeah. This is where as we slow things down and get really curious, all all of us together, the couple and myself, these core beliefs starts bubbling up. These core fears that are tied to core beliefs start getting uncovered. And that's kind of the the background of, of what we do in these early stages of couples therapy. How does that actually relate or what does that look like? We can go back to some of the schemas we were talking about individually and how now they're playing into. Um, think about that individual one, that first example I jumped on, I'm not lovable. Mm-hmm. Well, that can show up down the road as, yeah, I'm unlovable. It really is about me. Or it could be about, oh, he doesn't love me or they don't love me in you know in some way. And it's really, I'm thinking about this other person that I've just, over the years, they just don't. Yeah. And then overall, it can just be about this relationship um, there is, there is no love in our relationship both ways. And those can be these subtle messages that if you think about like that, uh, that core belief schema having started in one person and then grew out these kind of like toxic roots and leaves. And now over yeah. time, those thoughts have just gotten more and more intense. Suddenly it's a huge barrier to connection because of these types of core beliefs, because mm-hmm. it'll put this huge filter on everything that's going on in between the relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, One example before I'm done on this like little ramble. No, I love it. um, Is super common. One partner's emotional, one partner's rational. Emotional partner turns to rational partner in distress and it wants to talk about a relationship. Like this happened, blah, blah, blah. I'm really upset over here. And the rational partner hears it and is going, nope, none of that's true. That's not what I meant at all. (laughs) Let me explain to you yep. what I meant, what's what's really going on. And That's let me explain. What's happening. Yeah, here's what's happening and here's what's true. And here's yeah. the truth <laughs> of the life and going there. Yes. And then the couple gets really confused because they're both like exhausted and frustrated mm-hmm. from one person taking emotional tack and another person taking a logical, rational tack. Yes. Both are fine tacks. The thing is, we're going to misread each other. Yes, And in this example, what we can uncover is that perhaps this um, person who came in distress with emotion experienced this logical thought out response as, oh my gosh, my partner's not listening to me. 
mm. and not paying attention and feeling me, which goes exactly to proving my core belief that they don't love me. They don't care about lovable. this relationship. I'm not lovable. All of that comes into play right there. Yeah. But when we actually spend time with the partner who is trying to rationalize and logic out some stuff, realizing like, well, how come you're doing that? I'm trying to help my partner in distress realize it's not that big of a deal, which can sound invalidating to the partner in distress. But what the logical person saying is, look, if you just understood what I understood, right. you'll if you be saw it from my perspective, yes. you wouldn't be so upset. It's an act of care and love. That logical response is that partner sharing, I love you. You matter to me. I'm doing what I know how to do to show you I love you. Right. But that person in distress whose schema was I'm unlovable couldn't see that. No, no way they saw that because no. that core belief was filtering that message between the two. Plus they're different. They're attacking it with different strategies, different moves. That's where mm -hmm. we, we put other pieces into it. But one core piece is boom. These core beliefs are now showing up and hitting roadblocks and barriers to connection and relationship. I hope yes. that was clear. Yes. And I call this the human elevator. So you cannot get on opposite floors of the human elevator because I'm going to be up here on logic floor and you're mm -hmm. on heart emotion floor. And I'm basically just shouting down the elevator shaft at you like, calm down. And you're like, fuck you. Like you're <laughs> angry and you're yeah. hurting and you want your partner to witness your pain almost. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean, it definitely does not mean for most that you want them to make it worse, but inadvertently trying to soothe the distressed partner. And this is where psychoanalysis comes in similar to what was it like parent-child interactions? What was it like when logic partner was ever emotional as a child? Were they ever allowed to be emotional? Did parents attune to them? Did parents soothe them? What was it like when emotion partner in this example was emotional as a child? Did anybody come for them? Did anybody attune to them? Did anybody soothe them? Or did they have to, to your point way earlier, throw a huge tantrum only in like that was the threshold in order to get attention to finally feel soothed or finally have a primary caregiver come in and help to secure that infant or that child or adolescent? And what have they learned? What are these beliefs and patterns they've learned that we recapitulate in our adult relationships often? And this is repetition compulsion in an attempt to heal those childhood wounds. Mm -hmm. I'm on logic. I'm on emotion. We have to get somewhere close, at least middle ground mm -hmm. before we can, to your point, have that conversation. I'm not invalidating you when I say this, your emotions right now, if you were able to include the logic would not be as intense. Mm -hmm. Can I share this with you in an effort to help soothe you? I want to come in and contain you. We don't talk like this though, unless we're advanced trained in this. And even yeah. I don't talk like that. I don't really have <laughs> fights. Thank goodness. We're so regulated. We're so secure now. But when we have disagreements, I know I get frustrated. I know he goes to logic. He's more likely to get defensive. And I'm more likely to just fly off the handle because I'm Italian and I don't do that. And I say, okay. And I do this. I'm like, we need to start again. Um, so why I'm upset <laughs> is this, mm -hmm. and I hear you doing this and my brain saying this. So how are we going to solve it? And then I can join in logic mode after I've self-soothed. If I don't have that core belief, or if I were still in years ago, me, I'm unlovable. I'm too much. I'm not enough. All of those other core beliefs of anxious attachment specifically, that would not be playing out that way. Okay. However, I understand we are secure. 
this is not as bad as it is in my head. We're spending the rest of our lives together. I actually don't need to freak out. There are very few things in life worth freaking out about. And if I start over again, I will actually get more of what I want. And that's how then I approach it in part two. So reworking those beliefs about self also helps in relationship. Well, and being able, reworking those beliefs and like you're describing having done the work so that in the moment mm -hmm. you can kind of catch yourself and go, oh, okay. I'm Let doing the thing. I'm myself. about to go psycho. Yeah. Well, it's just that. It's like, okay, you're probably not even in the moment going, oh, I'm going down the road of core belief of that's negative. No. You're going in the moment going, oh, wait a second. Let me remind myself of the core belief of what I do believe about a relationship. My partner loves me. Mm -hmm. We're secure. Mm -hmm. They want the best for our relationship mm -hmm. also. And then when I focus on those core beliefs that now I've made sure to have put work into for myself and our relationship together, it allows that interaction to do a restart, to yeah. go, whoop, wait a second. And then that also can clue in your partner, like, oh, cool. My partner's doing that work. We're going right. to do this together. We're a team. And it's going to activate all those wonderful, positive core beliefs. We're secure. We love each other. We're a team. Yes. So even if one of us or both of us is hurt by something that happened, that's not that we think the other person wants to hurt us or is bad. It's not that the other person intended and doesn't love me from this hurt. It's that, hey, we can still just share that, hey, we're both kind of hurt here. And we can sit with each other's pain mm -hmm. because we're, we're sitting in beliefs that this person loves me, we're secure, they want the best relationship, we want the best for the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of throwing a bunch of different examples of these beliefs like out over and over again. But hopefully you and the listeners can hear how by going over this and like kind of using an attunement to core beliefs in relationship, it can help you filter what you're perceiving and how you're making meaning of actions in relationship. And like you described beautifully, how you can use that productively to have an approach and a discussion and share things, even as difficult as hurts and fears. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Very um, well said. I think that's my big point without going into the weeds about core beliefs in relationships. I guess I would just add on another hopeful moment um, in terms of the therapeutic process of what we do with these core beliefs, not just this like understanding them or we understand the meaning making of them. Right. We actually do in session, link them to the emotional responses that come up and then to the moves we make yeah. because we're in that. Mm -hmm. And once you outline all of that and you see it so clearly, it's so easy to shift interaction pattern. Easy. It takes work. It's easy for the therapist at that point. <laughs> it's kind of like, see, it's gravy, baby. <laughs> yes. It's much easier because we're, we're, and I, um, when I work with couples on this, I can see when, even if they're recounting an interaction, they weren't seeing the partner for the partner. They were caught up and we see it. It's a subconscious process, but we, it's a projective identification process. They're not seeing their partner as their partner. They're seeing their partner as their angry dad, their disloyal mom, their ex partner, whoever it might be. And they're interacting. It's almost like a hallucination. It's not, but they're interacting with the person in front of them as if that person were someone else. And then they're responding to that person. And what I work on is teaching this partner who is here. Nobody can see this, but the hold your hand in front of your chest and then one out, kind of like your right hand outward, left hand by you. If the hand by you is the partner in front of you, if you're the couples therapist, 
I'm teaching you to not interact with that interaction. Don't interact with that projective identification and slow down and go, I don't think this is about me. I see you having a moment. I want to help. However, in your brain, mostly your reaction is so out of proportion to what's just happened. And it also sounds like what you did with your dad in childhood. Pretty sure we need to have a different discussion about this. And I, I've worked with couples where they've graduated and they'll come back for, you know, holidays, whatever it might be. And they'll share. We think of you when we have those conflicts. And I, I'm so proud of us and how far we've come that I saw her or him having this reaction. And I knew it wasn't me at all. And I had no panic. I wasn't taking it personally. I did not feel a threat to the relationship. I was able to immediately have empathy for my partner because I saw them struggling with how they viewed themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the game changer. Mm -hmm. It's not about me or our relationship at all. Mm -hmm. But I pull myself and my threat level out of it and I go and see, wow, they are struggling right now. And something I've done has taken them back to a different mind state or a different time in their life how can I help bring them to the present is a much healthier view on these core beliefs and schemas and how to interact. And to your point, use these tools for good in growing and optimizing your partnership. That's the power of understanding the core beliefs. You can yes. know yours and change yours and go, oh, this mm -hmm. isn't about me at all. My partner mm -hmm. does love me. I'm secure mm -hmm. in this so I can support my partner in distress. And also then understanding your partner's beliefs and what's happening, like what you're talking about, it allows you to identify, oh, this is my partner's stress. It's not about me. And now I can support them directly because I know they're going through this hard thing where they're not feeling good enough or they're not feeling right. safe right now. Right. Um, it's the it's the positive power of understanding like these difficult core beliefs. Um, really cool. And okay. that's all I got on this. Anything else you got cool. on this? Uh, probably, but I would say sure. I'll summarize, I, you know, I could talk for hours. Uh, I would say working on your core beliefs is what will be the game changer, whether you're dating or in a relationship or marriage, whatever it might be listening to this partner or unpartnered, we'll call it that you, you will benefit from examining and rewiring your subconscious beliefs. And I uh, wanted to offer if people are curious about this, but they don't know where to start. In my other role as a coach, I created a class, like a master class of like all the things that basically we talk about in here, but that like you need to know to work through to be in a relationship effectively. So if any of you are curious about that, you can go to my other website. This is very much so helpful. If you resonated with this episode, the whole program will take you through all of like how to rewire, how to this. We started again in a few weeks. It's taliabombola.com slash insight dash masterclass, I believe. But if you just go to that website and click courses, it's the first one that we're I'm teaching right now. It's so remarkably helpful to be able to go in and analyze. And it also has tools for how to have a growth mindset to your point how your thoughts affect your feelings, affect your action. Like it teaches you through like the basic foundations that everybody should have been taught instead of the Pythagorean theorem. Cause I can confidently tell you at no point in my relationship, do I look at him and go, you know, what would be helpful right now? Y equals MX plus B. That's what is I that mean. What right? it is. It's, y I, I don't know. I have no idea. Why? I you don't can... know. <laughs> Winky X. <-ing>. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, it will teach you everything that you should have been taught about relationships, but weren't. Cool. Love that. Yeah. Um, and I love you listeners. Thank you for listening. 
Um, always appreciate your support and feedback. If you have any questions for us that you want answered on the podcast, shoot us an email, Ryan and Talia at thecouplesguidepodcast.com. Until next time. Thanks so much. Take good care.